0: Martin Chuzzlewit chapter 1 This is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org reading by Brad Filippo Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens chapter 1 introductory concerning the pedigree of the Chuzzlewit family as no lady or gentleman with any claims to polite breeding can possibly sympathise with the chuzzlewit family without being first assured of the extreme antiquity of the race it is a great satisfaction to know that it undoubtedly descended in a direct line from adam and eve and was in the very earliest times closely connected with the agricultural interest if it should ever be urged by grudging or malicious persons that a chuzzlewit in any period of the family history displayed an overweening amount of family pride surely the weakness will be considered not only pardonable but laudable when the immense superiority of the house to the rest of mankind in respect of this its ancient origin is taken into account it is remarkable that as there was in the oldest family of which we have any record a murderer and a vagabond so we never fail to meet in the records of all old families with innumerable repetitions of the same phase of character indeed it may be laid down as a general principle that the more extended the ancestry the greater the amount of violence and vagabondism for in ancient days those two amusements combining a wholesome excitement with a promising means of repairing shattered fortunes were at once the ennobling pursuit and the healthful recreation of the quality of this land consequently it is a source of inexpressible comfort and happiness to find that in various periods of our history the chuzzlewits were actively connected with divers slaughterous conspiracies and bloody frays it is further recorded of them that being clad from head to heel in steel of proof they did on many occasions lead their leather jerkin soldiers to the death with invincible courage and afterwards return home gracefully to their relations and friends there can be no doubt that at least one chuzzlewit came over with william the conqueror it does not appear that this illustrious ancestor came over that monarch to employ the vulgar phrase at any subsequent period inasmuch as the family do not seem to have been ever greatly distinguished by the possession of landed estate and it is well known that for the bestowal of that kind of property upon his favourites the liberality and gratitude of the norman were as remarkable as those virtues are usually found to be in great men when they give away what belongs to other people perhaps in this place the history may pause to congratulate itself upon the enormous amount of bravery wisdom eloquence virtue gentle birth and true nobility that appears to have come into england with the norman invasion an amount which the genealogy of every ancient family lends its aid to swell and which would beyond all question have been found to be just as great and to the full as prolific in giving birth to long lines of chivalrous descendants boastful of their origin even though William the Conqueror had been William the Conquered, a change of circumstances which, it is quite certain, would have made no matter of difference in this respect. There was unquestionably a chuzzlewit in the gunpowder plot, if indeed the arch-traitor Fox himself were not a scion of this remarkable stock, as he might easily have been, supposing another chuzzlewit to have emigrated to spain in the previous generation and there intermarried with a spanish lady by whom he had issue one olive-complexioned son this probable conjecture is strengthened if not absolutely confirmed by a fact which cannot fail to be interesting to those who are curious in tracing the progress of hereditary tastes through the lives of their unconscious inheritors it is a notable circumstance that in these later times many chuzzlewits being unsuccessful in other pursuits have without the smallest rational hope of enriching themselves or any conceivable reason set up as coal merchants and have month after month continued gloomily to watch a small stock of coals without in any one instance negotiating with a purchaser the remarkable similarity between this course of proceeding and that adopted by their great ancestor beneath the vaults of the parliament house at westminster is too obvious and full of interest to stand in need of comment it is also clearly proved by the oral traditions of the family that there existed at some one period of its history which is not distinctly stated a matron of such destructive principles and so familiarised to the use and composition of inflammatory and combustible engines that she was called the matchmaker by which nickname and byword she is recognised in the family legends to this day. Surely there can be no reasonable doubt that this was the Spanish lady, the mother of Chuzzlewit Fox. But there is one other piece of evidence, bearing immediate reference to their close connection with the memorable event in English history, which must carry conviction, even to a mind, if such a mind there be, remaining unconvinced by these presumptive proofs there was within a few years in the possession of a highly respectable and in every way credible and unimpeachable member of the chuzzlewit family for his bitterest enemy never dared to hint at his being otherwise than a wealthy man a dark lantern of undoubted antiquity rendered still more interesting by being in shape and pattern extremely like such as are in use at the present day now this gentleman since deceased was at all times ready to make oath, and did again and again set forth upon his solemn asseveration, that he had frequently heard his grandmother say, when contemplating this venerable relic, "'Ay, ay, this was carried by my fourth son on the 5th of November, when he was a Guy fox." These remarkable words wrought, as well they might, a strong impression on his mind, and he was in the habit of repeating them very often." the just interpretation which they bear and the conclusion to which they lead are triumphant and irresistible the old lady naturally strong-minded was nevertheless frail and fading she was notoriously subject to that confusion of ideas or to say the least of speech to which age and garrulity are liable the slight the very slight confusion apparent in these expressions is manifest and is ludicrously easy of correction ay ay quoth she and it will be observed that no emendation whatever is necessary to be made in these two initiative remarks ay ay this lantern was carried by my forefather not fourth son which is preposterous on the fifth of november and he was guy Fox. here we have a remark at once consistent clear natural and in strict accordance with the character of the speaker indeed the anecdote is so plainly susceptible of this meaning and no other that it would hardly be worth recording in its original state were it not a proof of what may be and very often is affected not only in historical prose but in imaginative poetry by the exercise of a little ingenious labour on the part of a commentator it has been said that there is no instance in modern times of a chuzzlewit having been found on terms of intimacy with the great but here again the sneering detractors who weave such miserable figments from their malicious brains are stricken dumb by evidence for letters are yet in the possession of various branches of the family from which it distinctly appears being stated in so many words that one diggory chuzzlewit was in the habit of perpetually dining with duke Humphrey so constantly was he a guest at that nobleman's table indeed and so unceasingly were his grace's hospitality and companionship forced as it were upon him that we find him uneasy and full of constraint and reluctance writing his friends to the effect that if they fail to do so-and-so by bearer he will have no choice but to dine again with duke Humphrey, and expressing himself in a very marked and extraordinary manner as one servanted of high life and gracious company It has been rumoured, and it is needless to say the rumour originated in the same base quarters, that a certain male Chuzzlewit, whose birth must be admitted to be involved in some obscurity, was of very mean and low descent. How stands the proof? When the son of that individual, to whom the secret of his father's birth was supposed to have been communicated by his father in his lifetime, lay upon his deathbed, the question was put to him in a distinct, solemn and formal way. "'Toby Chuzzlewit, who was your grandfather?' to which he with his last breath no less distinctly solemnly and formally replied and his words were taken down at the time and signed by six witnesses each with his name and address in full the lord no zoo it may be said it has been said for human wickedness has no limits that there is no lord of that name and that among the titles which have become extinct none at all resembling this in sound even is to be discovered but what is the irresistible inference rejecting a theory broached by some well-meaning but mistaken persons that this mr toby chuzzlewit's grandfather to judge from his name must surely have been a mandarin which is wholly insupportable for there is no pretense of his grandmother ever having been out of this country or of any mandarin having been in it within some years of his father's birth except those in the tea-shops which cannot for a moment be regarded as having any bearing on the question one way or other rejects this hypothesis is it not manifest that mr toby chuzzlewit had either received the name imperfectly from his father or that he had forgotten it or that he had mispronounced it or that even at the recent period in question the chuzzlewits were connected by a ben sinister a kind of heraldic over-the-left with some unknown noble and illustrious house from documentary evidence yet preserved in the family the fact is clearly established that in the comparatively modern days of the diggory chuzzlewit before mentioned one of its members had attained to very great wealth and influence throughout such fragments of his correspondence as have escaped the ravages of the moths who in right of their extensive absorption of the contents of deeds and papers may be called the general register of the insect world We find him making constant reference to an uncle, in respect of whom he would seem to have entertained great expectations, as he was in the habit of seeking to perpetuate his favour by presents of plate, jewels, books, watches, and other valuable articles. Thus he writes on one occasion to his brother in reference to a gravy-spoon, the brother's property, which he, Diggory, would appear to have borrowed or otherwise possessed himself of. Do not be angry, I have parted with it, to my uncle.' on another occasion he expresses himself in a similar manner with regard to a child's mug which had been entrusted to him to get repaired on another occasion he says i have bestowed upon that irresistible uncle of mine everything i ever possessed and that he was in the habit of paying long and constant visit to this gentleman at his mansion if indeed he did not wholly reside there is manifest from the following sentence with the exception of the suit of clothes i carry about with me the whole of my wearing apparel is at present at my uncle's this gentleman's patronage and influence must have been very extensive for his nephew writes his interest is too high it is too much it is tremendous and the like still it does not appear which is strange to have procured for him any lucrative post at court or elsewhere or to have conferred upon him any other distinction than that which was necessarily included in the countenance of so great a man, and the being invited by him to certain entertainments so splendid and costly in their nature, that he calls them golden balls. It is needless to multiply instances of the high and lofty station, and the vast importance of the Chuzzlewit's at different periods." if it came within the scope of reasonable probability that further proofs were required they might be heaped upon each other until they formed an alpth of testimony beneath which the boldest scepticism should be crushed and beaten flat as a goodly tumulus is already collected and decently battened up above the family grave, the present chapter is content to leave it as it is, merely adding, by way of a final spadeful, that many chuzzlewits, both male and female, are proved to demonstration, on the faith of letters written by their own mothers, to have chiseled noses, undeniable chins, forms that might have served the sculptor for a model, exquisitely turned limbs and polished foreheads of so transparent a texture that the blue veins might be seen branching off in various directions, like so many roads on an ethereal map this fact in itself though it has been a solitary one would have utterly settled and clinched the business in hand for it is well known on the authority of all the books which treat of such matters that every one of these phenomena but especially that of the chiselling are invariably peculiar to and only make themselves apparent in persons of the very best condition this history having to its own perfect satisfaction and consequently to the full contentment of all its readers proved the chuzzlewit's to have had an origin and to have been at one time or other of an importance which cannot fail to render them highly improving and acceptable acquaintance to all right-minded individuals may now proceed in earnest with its task and having shown that they must have had by reason of their ancient birth a pretty large share in the foundation and increase of the human family It will one day become its province to submit that such of its members as shall be introduced in these pages have still many counterparts and prototypes in the great world about us. At present it contents itself with remarking, in a general way, on this head. Firstly, that it may be safely asserted, and yet without implying any direct participation in the Manbodo doctrine, touching the probability of the human race having once been monkeys, that men do play very strange and extraordinary tricks.' secondly and yet without trenching on the blumenbach theory as to the descendants of adam having a vast number of qualities which belong more particularly to swine than any other class of animals in the creation that some men certainly are remarkable for taking uncommon good care of themselves chapter one